Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to an impromptu Baseball America podcast. It's a rainy Friday afternoon. Why not talk a little baseball with you for the weekend? I'm John Manuel along with J.J. Cooper and Matt Eddy. Just going to wrap up a little bit of the Major League season and look ahead to what could be the playoffs. But guys, we don't even have playoff matchups set. We don't even have the number one overall pick in next year's draft set. And frankly, that's, that's a, almost more important for us. It's a than ferocious race for uh, number one. JJ, it's, it's like I, I likened it earlier to combat. I don't know if you ever played that on the uh, Atari 2600, Matt, but uh, you're a little younger than me and JJ. But remember like the tank battle you always have? With the, it was just was called mm. combat. But you could be mm. tanks. You could be airplanes. any number of other. Uh, you could be blip, this blip or that blip or exactly. this blip. <laughs> so there were three or four different blips. But I'm not sure who's tanking more effectively. The Reds with their all-rookie rotation, now shorn of the good rookies. Uh, or the Phillies, who've really been at it a little bit longer, but suddenly a little feistier than they uh, have any right to be. I'm not sure what you think. Uh, that right now we're Reds at, I mean, Phillies at 97 losses, Reds at 96, Braves at 95. Uh, who so the Braves, that's an almost insurmountable <laughs> deficit for them. They... And the Braves have certainly, you've seen, you watch a lot of National League East games, Matt. I mean, in your mind, which team is the worst team, the Phillies or the Braves? The Phillies pitching is truly atrocious. Yeah, up until recently they had Aaron Nola. Uh, right. Eikhoff has had his moments. Jared Eikhoff. That's right. Ken Giles is still closing it out. Uh, the Braves have a little more random, <laughs> a little more randomness on their, on their pitching staff, I think. Yeah, Ryan Weber, uh, I just wrote about him in that uh, column for random September call-ups, basically. This is a guy who was a Team USA ace on the 16U youth team. And I think Matt Perk and Kyle Winkler, who both went up pitching Texas Christian to the 2010 Caldwell Series, those were the aces for this 18U team, along with Ryan Weber. But those are the bigger prospects. The first three pitchers from that 2006-16U team to make it to the major leagues were Michael Givens, Jeff Decker, who pitched in the big leagues as a mop-up role, and Ryan Weber. So can't predict, can't well, predict ball say, for sure. And so basically the first one to actually have begun his career as a pitcher. Is Ryan Weber. That's right. And who's been pretty good, actually, for Atlanta for all but one start. He was good in a loss to Steven Strasburg in his most recent, uh, most recent loss, most recent outing. But the Reds, J.J., have kind of a special kind of stink because they seem like they've really gone after this tanking thing very aggressively in September. And they finish with the Pirates in Pittsburgh. Um, that seems like they have they have a real good chance to go 0 for their last. I mean, what, they've lost 13 games yeah, in a row now? Yeah, I think it's 0 13 right now. So that would be 0 for 16 to finish. Maybe I mean, it's 0 for 15. Is it 12 or 13? That which is better, to tank and to have the first pick in the biggest pool next year? Or to not lose your last 16 games. Is there any effect of losing 16 straight games the next year? No. Are you I, sure? I really think no. And the reason I say that is is that this this team, yes. Are there a number of players who are going to still be on this team next year? Absolutely. Joey Votto's not going anywhere, things like that. But this team, 
at this point, pretty much their season went in the crater. You look at where they were July 30th, you look where they are now. It was pretty much the moment where they said, Mike Leak, Johnny Cueto, Marlon Burr. You know, I mean, when they traded right. those guys away, it was, okay, we're done for this year. We're just putting the rookies out there. They've, they're, they really, right now, they have guys pitching who are not going to play roles for them. Like, should I, they just shut Aroldis Chapman down and Joey Votto and just say, hey, look, don't even play. Don't take the chance no, of getting no. hurt. You, you need to bring Aroldis Chapman in to throw at least one more time so that you can say goodbye to Aroldis Chapman because <laughs> we are watching Aroldis Chapman throw his final innings as a Cincinnati Red. If he's there next year, and integrity issues that the Cubs and Cardinals might, might raise as well. If the Car- if the Reds aren't even going to try against the Pirates, I don't think they're trying because <laughs> lost because that wild games. card is still the home field is still at stake. That's true. That's that's why I bring that up. I mean, there are integrity issues. Yeah, but I feel like with this, but team, when you say integrity they? issues, no, I mean, you never you you can't predict balls. You know, the the saying goes Barry about, Zito versus Garrett Richards. Barry Zito versus Garrett Richards this week. With the A's having nothing to play for, and the Angels having everything, and the A's win the game. But if they bench those players, if they say, you know, we're going to shut a Rolls Chapman down, and we're but they gonna... never they never bench a guy and say we're shutting him down because we can't win. They always it always comes down to we're shutting him down because he's got a twinge in his side. These are things you can't prove, and you never no one ever gets fined for because of that. I actually think which which of those three teams, these three bottom feeders in the National League, um, which is closest to contending, guys? I mean, Matt, I'll let you take it first. I mean, Phillies really restocked their farm system fairly well the last couple of years. The Braves have a lot of upside guys, but I think if I had to pick a farm system off the top of my head, I think I'd take the Phillies over the Braves because they have J.P. Crawford and the Braves don't. Um, And then there's the Reds who have real pitching depth but the hitting, the hitters in that system are a little shy. Which which of those three franchises do you like best to turn things around? Uh, probably the Phillies. I mean, part of it's the competition they play. I think they're going to have an easier time competing in the East. They do have the Marlins. Than the Reds are. <laughs> the Reds have a, a ton of interesting arms, even just beyond the guys we're seeing now in the rotation. You know, Robert Stevenson, Cody Reed, etc. Yeah. Um, Amir but, Garrett. Yeah, Amir Garrett. But I think the Phillies, the fact that they traded for guys who are already pretty well developed... And the fact that they have, you can see some pieces in place already. Yeah, their double-A Reading team had like two different iterations this year mm-hmm. of prospects. And the first one was good. The second one was probably deeper and a little better. But Crawford's the separator for me, JJ. He's not the only one. I think the Phillies have pretty impressive depth, actually, too. I mean, their Florida State League team was notable for a good amount of depth of, hey, maybe there's not a star here. But there are six or seven guys who are going to be big leaguers, and they have some interesting X-Factor guys. And their guys that we're talking about are closer to the big leagues. When you right. say who's going to do it quicker, who are the Braves' upper-level guys who aren't in Atlanta right now? Well, Tyrell Jenkins, Malik Smith, Manny right. Benuelos has not, has not no. exhausted his prospect eligibility, shockingly Ow. enough. All their, well, he's a pitcher. Yeah. So. yeah, big steps forward from Wisler and Betancourt. Yeah, no. Yeah, Whistler no longer eligible. Well, both those guys, Betancourt almost almost still eligible because he just I mean, didn't they're, play. They're just super young major league players is all. No, they do, but I'm not sure I'm in on all those guys. Fulton Evitz, uh, none of the Braves guys. I mean, it was I wouldn't say it was a disastrous year for their because because the organization does have more talent than it had at this point last year. 
But now that you, and we have this turn, a general manager change there in Atlanta with John Capoello becoming the full-time GM. Um, Not only a turn, but more of like they gave him the title for the job that he kind of been doing with John Hart. They, right. But, I mean, he's, made, he's the one making the final say now. No, John um, Hart's still making the final say. That, that's, that they just gave him the title? Yeah, he was already, John Hart was already president of baseball operations. So all they've really done is... He's given John the title. Right, given John the assistant GM, now he's GM. But I, I still, it still seems like it's a little more, um, you know, it's a this is a risk all risk farm system. I'm not sure that's the way that most uh, that, that most most other teams that have torn down have not gone that route. The other teams that have completely torn down and tanked, really just Houston. It wasn't nearly this risky. And the same thing, uh, you know, same thing in Chicago when they tore down. That's a little bit more. Those are both more analytics organizations, I guess I'd say, than Atlanta. I, I'm. I'm I'm surprised by the way the the Braves thing. I guess the real trade that surprised me the most is still the one they did with the Dodgers. I still don't get that one, the Hector Oliveira trade. But the thing about that is, is that that Hector Oliveira. When we talk about if the if the Braves next year are going to, I think the Braves' aspiration next year is to go from battling for the number one pick to battling for 81 wins. I think 81 wins next year would be an an excellent improvement. That be that be the the goal on the horizon. But, but you you have to contend. If you're the Braves by 2017, right? But we for also that trade have to make any sense. But we also have proven with all these that now there is no you have to take a step to get there. Right. You know, we we, we look at the Astros. The Astros went straight from well, they they're, they're basically 15 games better than they were last year. The Astros won 70 games last year. They have 84 wins this year. Right. And the Diamondbacks are 15 games better than they were last year. They're just you know in a tougher division, and you know they're the Astros are. 84 and 75. They're playing the Diamondbacks this weekend. The Diamondbacks have six fewer wins. If they were in the American League West, you know, who, which, when you look at the two rosters, in some ways, I like the Diamondbacks better. I mean, they don't have Correa, but they have Goldschmidt, and the Diamondbacks' offense is pretty diversified. Those two teams are very comparable ball clubs. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't like th- the farm system, though, for the Astros a lot better. Which Oh, yeah, have. I do. I'm just talking about this year's yeah. team. But I'm saying that jump of 15 wins... It's actually a, not an un- Astros jump also. wasn't an uncommon jump. Yeah, the Cubs have made a bigger jump, much bigger jump. They won 73 games last year. They're 21 games better. So the Astros have made the jump in perception. But I'm saying, but uh, I'm the saying Cubs that, in reality. But my point though is, is that there is no you have to get halfway through. But no, Oliveira, the trade that trade works out for them. Really, what it comes down to is, is if Alex Wood, because Alex Wood is what they traded away effectively. And Peraza. I mean, Peraza was our number one prospect coming into the year. I get it that he's not an impact guy. See, to me, that trade makes sense if it's Wood or Peraza. But basically, they had to give up both so they could get out from under which contract was it? Bronson Arroyo? (laughs) I mean, it was a very complicated deal. But that most of the other Braves moves I got, uh, they made sense. That one didn't make that sense one makes to sense. me. sense, again, if, it, it's got to be that Oliveira the next couple of years is... That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It, it, only if the teardown turns back around very quickly. And for that to happen, most of these very risky picks have to hit. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm with you. I, I think I like the Phillies rebuild and, best. And they have the most resources of any of those three teams. The, the problem that the Reds have is, is that it, has got, it is brutal right now to be trying to rebuild or reload, call it whatever you want, in the NL Central, where you look at it right now and say, okay, so the Cubs are going to finish this year with they're, probably... They're the third best record in baseball. Right. And the third best record and in their this, division. As I keep tweeting out, this should be the worst Cubs team we see for the next several years. 
that's going to be hard to. It's going to be hard to. I'm sure they'll lose more games in some of these years because the the I think the Brewers and Reds will probably get better. Yeah. But I mean, Matt, are the Cubs the most interesting of these playoff teams going forward for you, or does someone else interest you more? Uh, coming into the season, I thought the Cubs and the Mets were <clears throat> two of the most interesting teams because they had strong farm systems with lots of talent at the top levels, and um, I would have been surprised if one of them did not make the playoffs. I, I am surprised that both of them qualified. Right. With a an assist from the Nationals. Right. But uh, <laughs> right. but the 81-win Nationals. They have not clinched a winning record yet. Unbelievable. They, um, are they, and they're not playing at home, though, so we don't know are, that they'll are the be Mets right now. Are the Mets Friday plus night. 20? I mean, the Mets are 89 and 70 as of right now. So Compared with last year. Um, that's a good question. I'll have to look because, that up on the... Uh, because uh, because yeah, it goes to the theme we're talking about. Those three teams, Astros, Mets, Cubs. Biggest jumps with no mediocre stepping stone year. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. The last year, the, the Mets actually won 79 games last year. So they're 10 games better at this juncture than they were but, last year. But those year. are the most important 10. To go from 79 <laughs> to 89 right now, and they could win more than that. Right. They could end up you know, being 91 you know, but, or so. But that that is now, that is the format of the 10 playoff team format, is, is that it has changed the dynamics that if you think of yourself – as an 80 to 85 win team, there is a whole lot of value in getting from there to just a tick better. Mm-hmm. The other team that's really improved itself from one year to the next, the Twins are 13 games better than mm-hmm. they were last year with only 83 wins this year. They had a long way to go, but th- those are those farm. Th- those are three teams that are propelled by their farm systems. A couple things about those clubs, but especially the Mets and the uh, not the Dodgers, the, the Mets and the Cubs have these kind of sliding doors things that fascinate me. Where would the Mets be if they had drafted Corey Seager instead of Gavin Cicchini? No knock on Gavin Cicchini, but Corey Seager is Corey Seager, and Gavin Cicchini isn't. If the Mets had uh, uh, Seager playing shortstop for them right now, Matt, going to the playoffs, Mm -hmm. how good would you feel about the Mets' chances? That would be an unbelievable lineup if the Mets had Corey Seager, if they drafted him 12th overall. And you plugged him in. That would be that's a lineup with no easy outs whatsoever. And you could play Juan Lagares every day if you wanted to. I think that's fair. But uh, if you want to highlight a draft pick, Conforto, right, tenth overall just last year, and he's one of the he's probably the one of the best players on the team. That's one of the common links between those two teams. The top college bats in the 2014 draft were, as far as bad first prospects, were acknowledged to be Conforto and Schwarber. Mm-hmm. It was hard to peg those guys where they were going to go. The Mets surprise. I mean, the Cubs surprised people by taking Schorber fourth. The, I, I'm still, as we're doing draft report cards, JJ. I'm still getting people arguing about it, it a is, year the later. The debate will be continuing for years to come. Conforto has really impressed me. He's, he's got opposite field power. He's a much better defender than we ever gave him credit for. I think so. I think that's the biggest. He, thing. he makes a lot of athletic plays in left field. You know, I think he. You know, he was a high school shortstop, like all good players are, um, for the vast majority of them. And I think he was very unwieldy in the outfield early in his career at Oregon State. But I, I agree with you. I always thought when I watched him and a play needed to be made, he'd make a play. Mm-hmm. He might boot some routine balls, but there's nothing that gets better in professional baseball like defense. And to his credit, he has the athleticism and he got the uh, coaching to get better. He's never been exposed in a bad way defensively in the big leagues, has he? No. In fact, I would say the opposite. I think he's saved runs with his glove. But what would the, so there's that mess. That's a more of a hypothetical like what if where you could really let your imagination run wild, right. if they had Seager. Really, how different would the Cubs' fate be if the Astros had drafted uh, Chris Bryant first overall in 2013 
instead of Mark Appel. I mean, like, first of all, just how many home runs would the Astros have hit this year? <laughs> the mind boggles at how many home runs that team would have hit, especially with Bryant and that ballpark, the Crawford boxes. I know his natural stroke is opposite field, but come on. That guy would have hit. I'd love to see him and Correa on the same team. Exactly. That would have been the most insane <laughs> left side of an infield our heads would have exploded. Let's face yeah. it. I'm glad it didn't happen. I, I, I like, I like for, having that. For the a, safety a of the Baseball America head. staff, that was could, was not allowed to happen by the baseball gods, and we thank them for that. Um, I'll burn some incense later. But, I mean, how? I mean, that's one of these picks. that, that, that At the time, everyone was like, oh, Cubs are going to go pitching. Cubs are going to go pitching. Cubs are going to go pitching. Chris Bryant faced the franchise. Even with all the other things around them, he's one of the faces of that franchise. Heck, is. They still have that giant New Balance ad uh, billboard outside the. Uh, is it New Balance or Deed? Whatever shoe company sponsors him, um, and all this guy's done in a year of all these rookies, and just grind through. And he's done it over 150 games. I just shudder to think how good the Astros would be if they had him. And I wonder how different the Cubs would be without him. And remember, at the midseason, Jock Peterson was the foregone conclusion right. rookie of the year. He's Another, fallen off the cliff, and that's in. And, and Bryant has gotten better and better. And that is. That is one thing when we talk about, I mean, it's a great year for rookies, but when you talk about one thing of the difference between a Bryant and the great years that Francisco Lindor and Carlos Correa have had, Bryant has done it longer, and there is something to be said for that. That's not just that he gets to accumulate more stats. Right. It is something that is harder to do. I mean, in Francisco Lindor's case, you can really say... Francisco Lindor has had an, has been better in the big leagues than he was in the minors. Now that's sure much more important. A lot more power. Uh, that's much more important. But at the same time, if you were saying like, okay, we're battling for rookie of the, you know, who would be the rookie of the year overall in, in baseball, that's an argument against Lindor from the standpoint of if you look at the totality of it, Brian's done it longer. And, and, and it's a it's a difficult uh, that'll be it's a, t- a tough call to make. Yeah, we. When you do one. Rookie of the Year, because Lindor's season has been so outstanding, even in 100 games. But there's so many rookies this year who would, in a normal year, would be an easy uh, Rookie of the Year. I mean, we haven't even talked about Schwarber in that conversation. From an impactful standpoint, uh, he certainly stands out. The other, you know, the, the, the Cardinals are the team, the only team with 100 wins. I guess the first team with 100 wins in the Major Leagues is the 2011 Phillies. Wow. It's kind of hard to believe. In some ways, it is. In some ways, it is. It's hard to believe because this is a team that you feel like every time you check in on the Cardinals, you're like, "Who's hurt now?" (laughs) There's that part of it. I mean, Carlos Martinez and Yadier Molina. I mean, two of their most, to me, two of their most impactful players, um, are both on the shelf. I mean, obviously, Molina. uh, Martinez to me is a little bit easier to replace because the Cardinals have pitching depth. As he gets hurt, Wainwright's coming back. I'm not sure. We don't know what Adam Wainwright we're going to have when he gave up a run in his first inning of, of pitching, and who knows how much he can really give them in the postseason. But I, I would rather, you know, I, I'd rather repl- have, okay, you lose Martinez, you're getting back Wainwright, then you're losing Molina and you're getting Tony yeah, Cruz. Want, yeah, no. You know, um, but I, I don't know how. I don't know how you Plus guys Travis feel. Travis Tardamella, too. <laughs> I didn't Is he up. <laughs> Travis Tardamella? Yeah. That's how I he's not, Is he not Cal State Los Angeles? I couldn't tell I, you that. I believe he is. I Check the debut chart. <laughs> I think he started at uh, started at Pepperdine. I remember Travis Tardamella. I didn't mean to sidetrack us. That's okay. I'm the one who allowed, my, <laughs> allowed us to get sidetracked. But for some reason, it doesn't feel like the Cardinals are even the favorites. Is it just because of those injuries? It doesn't feel like they're the favorites um, hmm. from anyone no, I, I talked to, or are they? I think it is partly because of those injuries, because you look at them right now, and... They are 
probably the most banged up team uh, of the teams we're talking about. It's hard to melt. Is Cal State Los Angeles? <laughs> yeah. Who is the National League favorite? But they are the most banged up team. I mean, I, 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 okay, well, since we're talking National League, the Dodgers are a hard team for me to get a handle on. Very difficult. Now, on one side, if I'm making the case for the Dodgers, okay, I've got Clayton Kershaw, Zach Greinke. I don't care who's the, my third starter. You know that it, you do That's not good. want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I'm I'm using them deep into games because I don't want to go to that pen too much. I'll say that Clayton Kershaw. It's hard to get better. He almost feels like in the second half of the year he's gotten. But he's significantly better. He's gonna if he gets one more start, he's gonna strike out 300 guys. He's gonna finish just shy of 300 strikeouts. He's got 294 is, strikeouts right now, which is incredible. Just, yeah. And I know that and people have dismissed him as a Cy Young candidate. Exactly. He's like the number three Cy Young guy. <laughs> and there's a decent argument for them being the number three guy. Is the crazy thing. Yeah. You can make an argument for him one, but you can also very make a very good argument for him to be third. Who would you guys pick? Kershaw, Arietta, or Greinke? I haven't started it closely enough. I don't know. I can just tell you that uh, if it matters to you, Greinke's FIP is 275. Look out. According to baseball reference. And Kershaw's is 204. Just, I just watch those guys. I just think Kershaw's better. Oh, I think Kershaw's I better. I mean, his stuff pops a lot more than... It's like Smoltz in 1996 when he had it all working versus the Maddox. Like Maddox is art, and that Grinky's more that kind of pitcher, whereas Kershaw can impose his will on anyone at any time. Yeah, I th- I think I'd actually still take Arietta over both of them for this year because that run of dominance is ridiculous. Again, the 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 thing that is nightmarish is is the Pirates. It's a great season, and they've got an ace in Garrett Cole to go in, in the wild card game as well. But I do not want to face Jake Arietta. I mean, that is just. I feel like the winner of that game, to me, actually is the favorite going forward. I think those are those two teams are a little bit healthier, uh, especially the Cubs, than St. Louis. And uh, you know, to me, uh, I love the Pirates' bullpen. I love the way Clint Hurdle and Ray Searidge handle their bullpen. I love Mark Melanson. I've always loved Mark Melanson. Colorado pitcher represent number one. Number two, just the makeup always was a strong like scouting report on Mark Melanson. And that guy's career progression, he just become, I mean, who's the best closer in the National League if it's not him? I mean, he's just automatic. And he has more than one pitch to get you out with. Uh, I mean, he's always had the breaking ball, the cutter that he's got now. He's just, Their bullpen's a kind of a separating factor. It is weird to watch them play sometimes. Sometimes they get a little sloppy, the Pirates. Yeah. It's just it's strange. But their athleticism, I feel better about them as the favorite if, if uh, Jun-Ho Gong were healthy. Right. But, um... I don't know. To me, I almost feel like they're the most complete team out of all these. The, the thing I love about the Cubs is is that their their depth of their roster. Like if you look at their position player roster, you know you look at it's the National League, so there is a little bit more of, of kind of mixing and matching. They're, they're not an AL team. If they get to the World Series, one thing they have is is they're yeah. not a team that when you have to go, hey, you gotta have a DH. They say thank you. Thank most, you. Of, most of do these teams are actually most of these National League teams actually do have like the, the the Mets have good roster depth now. Their their trades just not just adding Cespedes that's the obvious one, but Uribe and Kelly Johnson made them so much deeper. The supplemental value because Conforto got called up around the same time. Right. David Wright and Travis Darno got healthy around the same time. It's really it's really like adding six players. That's that's basically what they did. It was very it's cumulative, but it was They're all like at the, the Laredo same time. Lemurs. <laughs> Do, do the Cubs have the <laughs> highest... Andy League reference of the day I did not see coming. The, the one concern about the Cubs is they probably have the highest strikeout rate of these teams. 
Yeah, have to. In, uh, like, like with a two-out in the, in the situation. NL, in the NL. The Astros, I think, would yeah. have the overall. I mean, like, in a two-out situation, you need to get the runner in. I think they might fall short more often than the other teams. But they also, again, when I talk about their depth, like Tommy Lestella I would not want as a regular. Tommy Lestella is the guy that if you right. said, though, that they have guys like Tommy Lestella, they have guys like Austin Jackson. He is going to pinch hit for. They do, they do have the six. Montero? No, yeah. you're going to pitch for the pitcher. Right. They have six. I'm talking about, like, if the middle of the order gets on base and you need right, you're not going to in. That's right. You have, you have six players with 100 strikeouts or more and among their regulars, and Coughlin and, and Castro are both right around 90. So there's really and not. Javier Baez did not get a chance to get his 100. <laughs> and Schwarber strikes out and has 76 strikeouts and 266 plate appearances. So there really isn't a high contact guy other than Lestella. That's my no, only concern. I, I agree with your points. And Lestella's not going to be in the lineup. Exactly. They have incredible power and incredible one-two rotation. It's an incredible one-two in the rotation. I, it, it just is so weird to have the Cardinals as the 100-win team, and it just it does feel wide open. And I feel I feel like the Mets would. Would have been the favorite a couple of weeks ago before the whole Matt Harvey thing, and I feel like that. I don't know if that, on its own, stopped their momentum, or just the fact that once they swept that series from the Nationals, they pretty much put into cruise control and had to monitor innings so quickly, uh, so so carefully. Can they turn it back on as easily as they turned it off, JJ? This is something that I wanted to bring up at this, and I, I don't even know. And the scout I talked to didn't know, but I, I talked to a scout recently. Who's you know who's had some pro coverage, some MLB coverage lately, and he just made the point. He said, "With these teams that have it wrapped up, we're not talking about the Astros, Angels, and Rangers who've been battling and Twins and Twins who've been battling <laughs> for, a, for a playoff spot. We're not talking about that. Tied with the Angels, but you look at like the Royals, who are uh, have effectively had a double-digit lead in their division for a month and a half forever. Yeah. It feels like where you got to August." They made their trades. They got, you know, they made it to mid-August, and you said they're making the playoffs. There's nothing that they can do at this point to not. The Mets, who admittedly, you talk to some Mets people now, you know, they're and they were worrying down to the last till they had it till they had that X by the name to say clinch because they have long memories. They remember falling apart in you know, was it 07? 07 and yes. And yes, but but the point that he made was he said. You see some of these teams that have wrapped it up, and you get the feeling that you aren't seeing anything from them. And it doesn't mean that they're not going out there trying to win, but he almost felt like it was a conscious effort of... Vanilla, right? We are not showing you anything, because every team that's in the playoffs right now probably has at least two, some cases one, but most cases at least two scouts following all these other playoff teams. And they are looking for the minutia. It's not just, they're not looking for right now, you know, I think Jake Arrieta's a, a true number one. Right. They're looking for John Lester's pickoff move. Okay, so he's added a little something back to at least, he now has figured out a way he can throw the ball to first base. They're pitch. looking for pitch sequencing. They're, they're looking, looking for how they go after hitters. They're, they're staring in there going, okay, I think I, story. You know, <laughs> That's right. That's they're, right. They're, they're looking for that. They're looking for okay. I think I got that sign. They're looking for a tell of how they shade, how they play, how they line up their defense, all that kind of stuff. They're looking for all that stuff. And so his point was, if I'm a team like the Blue Jays or the Royals or the Mets or the Cardinals in some ways, you know, and you've because the Cardinals at least had something they had to compete for though, because you getting home field in the AL or NLCS, that's nice. That's not that big a deal. But for the, for the Wild game, card or yeah. division is an entirely different, you know. Well, we just have seen it in the last couple of years, whether it was Johnny Cueto in Pittsburgh, just the Pirates fans letting them have it, 
or last year in Kansas City. I mean, that crowd was once they started running and that inning started, the crowd just like lifted the whole team. It but, felt like. But the point is, is when we talk about teams turning it off, turning it back on, one thing that is worth kind of noting is, is that it is an advantage that you can kind of not show guys things. You can, you can go into this and say, okay. We are keeping some things under. Now, is that a massive advantage? No, but it is something. It's something, and it's so it's not just there's that aspect of the pitching kind of coming back online. There's also the other part of kind of being able to keep some things closer to the vest. On the pitching side, Matt, do you have any concern? I mean, you've done the Mets prospect list for a long time now. Uh, how concerned are you with the way they've have they handled their pitching right? I guess we really won't know. Until we get to the postseason, really, will we? Sure. I think they've done as best they can. I mean, it's just, it's a young rotation, and young rotations are volatile. That's it. They're really... Uh, they're young pitchers. It's going to be they, like this. The bullpen is shaky, so I think they really need... Unfortunately, I think if they're going to advance, they're going to need six or seven good innings out of their, their you know, young starters, which is a lot to ask. So are they... And their infield defense is pretty bad. Have, have they lined so, up? Have they, have they lined up kind of how their postseason rotation is going to fall yet? Uh, I don't think so. I, I imagine they're going to want to start Harvey early, but I, I would rather start him in L.A. Right, right. That's a worse home run park, and that's Harvey's one weakness is home runs to left-handed batters. It's, uh, I, if you have to have one, I mean, you're allowed one, I guess, if you're mad at Harvey. Plus, if you're only going to start him once per series, you've got to get him in the middle of the game so his spot doesn't come up again. That makes, that, that's what I was going to say. If you're going to start him one time in that, in that division series, you kind of should put him in the middle and start the younger guys at home. Even though, he, you know, he's yeah. the more experienced guy. The main question is, does Bartolo Colon get a playoff spot? <laughs> I think it's, A spot, yes. A start? Uh, depending on Matt's. I was health. gonna say it depends on Matt's health, and right now I would say I would say it's over fifty percent. He starts in the. Uh, I do too. In the division series. I mean, he's the most likely so we all guy. Win. He, that's right. We all we're all real Everybody's winners a winner. here. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, mean, I always feel like he'd start game one because he's the most likely guy to come back later if you needed it. But I mean, you don't Ooh. want him making two starts. <laughs> who? Uh, but who can you bring back? Are you gonna go five man rotation in a playoff I would, series? I would go Degrom, Syndergaard, Harvey, Cologne. And then if there's a game five. You go back to DeGrom? Yeah. All right. That makes sense. But I, I feel like the Mets could be the first team we ever see but with five different starters in a five-game play, playoff. That would be weird. But that, that's a... They're probably going to carry John Neese as a, as a bullpen arm, too. So they might have Neese and Cologne and Mats. So basically carry like seven starters. <laughs> Game five of the division series. It's a bullpen day, you know? That's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. Um, the, the National League is fascinating. I do feel like there's no question the five best teams are going in the National League. I mean, I almost feel like the American League doesn't really have five best teams. You know, I mean, I feel like there's the three division winners. I don't, I don't feel like the Rangers are some great team. It's a good story how the Rangers have come back since the. And Ken Rosenthal tweeted out today one of these, a, a preseason story he wrote when Darvish got hurt and like, has anyone ever, has any franchise ever crashed and burned like the Rangers? And he said, like, hey, Cole Hamels is not walking through that door. <laughs> like, he literally wrote that. And he wrote, he wrote hey, look, it to me Cole Hamels is walking through I, the door. Yeah. I like the Rangers. It was actually. a great March story. And I, so, I mean, but so I think they're a legit, especially the second half, the way they've played. They're the going to win 88, in. 89 games. That's, that's, a, that's a division win. Killer infield. Nice, a nice, good enough rotation. By the way, that I will, I will uh, insert a uh, quick <laughs> podcast question here because we did get a podcast Do question it. that fits Do very it. much when you said <laughs> – a killer infield. Um, I, I'll find the uh, who the uh, okay, John Smith Sox. A, at John Smith Sox, uh, who's an Aussie apparently, 
Says, oi, oi, oi. Can you discuss Profar's return? <laughs> now, this is the point I just want to bring up here. They got Killerfield. When we talk about injuries for the Rangers, right? I, we it we've had we are talking about they had a top five prospect <laughs> in all of baseball who essentially has missed. He came back very much at the end of the season to at least play in the minors, but. He's and he's, two and he's, years. And he's supposed to go to the Fall League, correct? Mm-hmm. So he played late in the year at low class A Hickory, now in Instructional League, and will go to the Fall League. But there's no guarantee of what that Jerks and Profile will come back and be what he used to be, which was a power, speed, middle of the infield With prospect. That, I mean. Right. So, but they also had so they they didn't have that guy the last two years, and they lost Darvish this year. Those are two pretty huge. Holes for any organization to try to fill, and Leonis Martin probably crashed and burned. Number three overall in the top 100 prospect ranking. Yeah, that's probably their average ranking. That's right. So I mean, like and, this and, is, and they've done it. I, I think you know, there's a lot of pieces with that. The Cole Hamels trade, getting Dyson and, and Deekman, which really helped their bullpen and made it much better. But also, I think the big thing is there's a lot of you know contributors, but Odor. Right. Odor's no. second half. Being and remember in 2014 when we did that prospect show at MLB Network, mm-hmm. the way John Hart talked about rooting at Odor when yes. we were off the air. John, and I know on the air he talked about how he, Odor over Profar. But the way he talked about it off the air, that burn mm-hmm. to be great, and that little bit of mean streak mm-hmm. that Odor he talked about, Rudin Odor has shown that, especially this playoff streak. That guy's a playmaker. He wants the ball hit to him. He wants to be at the plate. Doesn't mean he always comes through. That's a he's a fascinating young player to watch. And just again, there's so many of them right now. He's kind of one who gets almost he gets, he, not almost he does get overlooked because right. he's just not he had a very he's, ordinary just, rookie year. He got sent right. down this year. That's and right. He's just as young as a lot of these guys we're talking about. Right. Uh, but the, so there. So I, I think you know the Royals have been in first place forever. The Rangers are close to the division, legit first place team. Good good story. Uh, the Yankees have, have clinched, but the Yankees have clinched the wild card, and you know, good story for a Yankees team. I mean, you have the normally it would be a, an interesting comeback player of the year story when you have a Hall of Fame resume player miss an entire year and a half and come back and hit 33 home runs at age 40. But no one wants to talk about a Rod. That's fine. They just want to show fancy gifs of him squinting from the champagne. I, I like this is one of the more likable Yankees teams because they are a little bit more athletic in general than most. I do like Severino and Greg Bird breaking through and. Playing important roles for them. They haven't done it over a full year, but they have done it. So, And, and you throw on top of that, you've got CC Sabathia, who is uh, pitching through, yeah, I'm going to need a knee replacement surgery, but I'm just going to keep, keep on rolling. CC has always been likable. I mean, hey, Masahiro Tanaka playing on an elbow that I think most people thought would require Tommy John That's surgery, true. you know? <laughs> and he's their legit number one guy. Benita's always one pitch away from major surgery. <laughs> or, or one swab away from being suspended. <laughs> I mean, uh, and then the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays have won 92 games. They're tied for the best record in the American like League. I feel like 92 wins for them is almost underestimates what they are. And you know, their their Pythag record is a 101 wins. They're nine games below their Pythagorean record. Hmm. I think they're the favorite for most cognoscenti in the game. I mean, do you feel like they're the best team in baseball over the course of the regular season, Matt? Now, uh, as they are now? In the regular season? Yeah. yeah. I think they're probably the best team. 20? The best playoff team? I don't know. I think they have weaknesses that can be exploited. They have a 20-year-old closer. They're very right-handed. Right. They, very don't, have, they don't have any other power pitchers besides Price. Well, no, Stroman is the X factor. Oh, Stroman. Yeah. The, Stroman, uh, Stroman is huge. So I would have agreed with you, but the fact that Stroman hasn't just come back, but he's come back very good. He's come back at full Marcus Stroman. Okay. Um, that is a, th- that's, that's the separator a, for me, because before he came back, he's only made four starts, 
but in some ways that almost like helps. I'm I'm most worried about their bullpen, um, and they are they're pretty left-handed out there too. It feels like, but it's a very right-handed lineup. That doesn't feel like that's affected them one bit. I mean that I they're the I team was, I would most not want yeah, to face. It's gonna be forty percent of their time they'd be facing the best pitchers in the league. In the playoffs. I, I think I counted it 26 games of 10 runs or more this year. That's wow. insane. <laughs> wow. That's insane. I mean, I mean, that's, now, again, that's something we're not going to see. That is, when they face bad pitching, they destroy. I mean, the, the left-handed bats they have on an everyday basis are basically Justin Smoke and Ben Revere, and that's pretty much it. Like right now, Ryan Goins, I guess, mm. plays. I guess when Tool, if Tulowitzki comes back healthy, that's the other X factor. Got Kawasaki on the bench. Dude, that's right. And Cliff Pennington, and they have those kind of guys. <laughs> But the guys who actually play, I think Goins might wind up playing second base for them in the playoffs. He's playing shortstop right now, so yeah, um, the defense, yeah, right. I mean, he's a good player. He's a good defense. Tulo will be back, right? He, I just saw on Twitter today that he was uh, working out um, and taking ground balls in a simulated game uh, earlier in the day at Rogers Santra, I believe it was. Maybe it was at the Trop. I think actually it was there at the Trop. Um, but to me, they're the favorite. Um, I think they're the best team. I think Stroman. Given that power arm, they have those two wily, slow tossing veterans and Burley, <laughs> Burley and Dickey. It's an interesting and, experiment. <laughs> and they have and, and and David Price is a guy who's been through this and well, he's the man. Shouldn't affect him. Yeah, exactly. And he's making basically another ten million dollars with every uh, postseason start. That's a good start. I mean, <laughs> I might pick the Royals as the favorite. That's it. That's if against Qua- the green. Assuming Cueto is is a semblance of his. Number one self. What do you think? The, the funny thing about it is, I think the most important thing that happened for the Royals. Now, I'm, I'm interested to see Wade Davis has had one outing where the velo kind of backed up. Let's see if you know, Wade Davis is still. <laughs> I have to do it. I'm sorry. It's, it's still Wade Davis. <laughs> right. but, well, Kimmy cursed me with that <laughs> reference forever. But, but Greg Holland shutting him down good. made Ned Yost's life <laughs> way easier because. That, it's one of those things where that was, I mean, you feel for Greg Holland and an injury. He's been very important to them to get there. He pitched essentially with a torn, we talk about Tanaka. Yeah. Greg Holland not only <laughs> pitched with a torn elbow ligament for a year. He did it with an ugly delivery. But he did it, and they're like, we really think that your elbow's screwed up. We want you to get an MRI. No, give me the ball. It is Twins-Royals this weekend. So the Royals, I mean, how much do they really kind of hold back versus how much do they try to play spoiler? I mean, I'm looking at their lineup right now. It's their regular lineup: Escobar, Zobrist, Hosmer, Mustakas. Yeah, you're not going to sit these guys. I'm saying yeah. they're not. They're, they're playing you're gonna, everybody. You're going to give them a B's, but you're you know. Is Chris Young in their playoff rotation right now, JJ? He's been pretty good. Potentially, he's I mean, pitching the nice. I mean, you don't. For all this hope that, that the Royals fans have had that Chris Medlin is going to be the X factor. <laughs> the fact that we're talking about Chris Young and Chris Medlin being in their in their playoff rotation, and Edison Volquez was kind of their stopper the other day. This is a very not-according-to-plan team. But, again, with the Royals, the key part about it is is that it is their bullpen still, even with Holland out. It is Madsen and Hochaver have been... Madsen, Hochaver, Morales, Herrera, Davis. I mean, that's just get us to the... Again, you got to remember, when we get to the playoffs, we talk about starting pitchers. There are... You can go... You can throw these guys. You can throw 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth. Every game, if you want, pretty much, because last year the Royals, uh, uh, the Royals played. They played. Now they had some sweeps, but the Royals played every other day during October right. on their way to Game Seven of the World Series. Now they had some sweeps there, but there are a lot of days off where 
if you just get one really good pitching starting pitcher routing every couple of in each series, you can pretty much flog your bullpen for the rest of the time. Kind of shocking that they still gave Jeremy Guthrie 24 starts this year <laughs> and, and won 92 games with it. I mean, like his biggest role in the team feels like, uh, you know, Ventura's translator slash all-around good guy. Always been a Jeremy Guthrie fan from his uh, Stanford days. Great interview back in the day and still a great interview now, but. Just seeing that they gave him 24 starts, <laughs> just amazing they won 92 games that way, you know, to me. It's probably easier to identify the worst team in each playoff race because... That, that, well, I was going to say, who, out of the other, so the American League other wild card, you got the Astros playing the Diamondbacks this weekend. Uh, they have the one-game lead over the Angels and the Twins. Angels playing the Rangers and the Twins playing the Royals. I mean, it's a tough call, uh-huh. but I mean, like, J.J., we were looking at it the other day and kind of, like, joking about the Angels pitching rotation down the stretch here. I mean, the Angels are basically a team with uh, the best player year in and year out in baseball and trout. You have a, st- a guy who's still a difference maker in Albert Pujols, but certainly not the player he used to be, but he's right, like, 38 still- home runs um, and more stolen bases in the second half than trout, which is kind of hilarious. <laughs> um, and then you have Garrett Richards, who's a di- difference maker, you know, front of the rotation. Ideally, I'd say he'd be number two. But, I mean, he's, if, he, if he's your ace, you're not, you know, you're in it. But with Houston Street hurt, who are the other difference makers on this team? Cole Calhoun? I mean, like, David Freeze? I mean, like, seriously, this is a... Eric Ibar. How did this team win 98 games last year? And you kind of, like, it just feels like no They're... player. Like, when Trout went downhill in August, this whole team slumped. They feel like they have no business being in the playoffs if not for Mike Trout. The, the one argument that they can make if they're trying to find optimism here is if they can get to the playoffs, their one team is like, when you talk about would the Mets go with a five-man rotation in the playoffs, the Angels are like, how often can we go with three? Yeah, pretty much. Because, it's an old school. It'll be an old school. Because they, losing, lopping off starting pitchers that you don't want to start is a giant advantage for a team that, in the last week, has added Matt Latos and JoJo Reyes to their active <laughs> roster. JoJo Reyes, what was his track, Matt? From Campeche to Salt Lake to there. That's just. Have you? You remember a player doing that Mexican league most of the year? To is he going to make a start this weekend? Which uh, is in their bullpen. I think he's in their bullpen. In their bullpen. And, and then the and then there's the Twins who, their Pythagorean record is eighty and seventy nine. Feels like most, that, sounds, that sounds about right. That's about, about right. Most of the re- credit for their team, it feels like to me their improvement, most of the credit's gone to like, you know, Molitor and Tory Hunter, uh, Gritty and Leadership, Sano. and then there's El Rey. There's uh, Miguel Sano. I mean, Twins, Astros, and then they, of course the Astros have stumbled down the stretch to an extent, but pretty plucky here the last week or so, kind of bouncing back from some yeah. tough losses feels like the Astros are the most deserving of those teams. I feel like the Astros, I just feel like the Astros, for all their flaws, all the strikeouts, how overly dependent they are on the home run, I feel like they deserve it the most out of those three teams. I don't know if, if you agree, Matt. Yeah. I, 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 can, I, I say with little conviction. Exactly. I can I do mean, with any of these three teams not making it. Plus, Cushell yeah. has such a unique... Just everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Keuchel has... <clears throat> Their, the Astros' Pythagorean record is 90 and 69, according to B-Ref. So there you go. They're, they're, I, I didn't realize that before I said it. Their bull, I, I feel like they've overachieved because their bullpen has been well handled and has done a nice job. I know they've lost a lot of one-run games this year, despite their bullpen. 
Um, I always feel like that's more like a matter of offensive execution, really, than anything else, because they are not a, a team that's built to beat good pitching offensively. It doesn't seem like teams that strike out like they strike out generally don't do well in the postseason, right? Right. I mean, did, was that a study you did? That was your study this year. No, it was an observation made by Joe Sheehan. Okay. But, in fact, when you look closer at it, the teams that strike out less during the regular season tend to be to perform better. I think the 2013 Red Sox are the only real outlier. That's why you're picking the Royals <laughs> as your favorite. Yeah, I mean, that's why go. I like offenses that are a little more on-base, contact, speed-oriented. I mean, honestly, um, maybe I say that to someone who's, uh, <clears throat> whose son has a Dustin Pedroia fat head on his wall. But, I mean, I feel like the Red Sox, if they were in the postseason, would be as dangerous or more dangerous than the other three teams we just talked about. With all their young talent, the way they've played. Uh, Who they start? Now, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> Miley, Porcello, uh, Rich Hill, I believe, is there, <laughs> and Eduardo no, Rodriguez. Rich Hill right now would start for them in the playoffs. I would take the Angels say, can we have him, please? Yeah, exactly. Now, th- that's one they missed. That's a pro scouting that they missed. But Eduardo Rodriguez, I'd take Eduardo Rodriguez in a playoff rotation. I would want him to be my one, but I'd put him out there. Um, Wade Miley and Rick Porcello. Right. <laughs> That's an imposing format. <laughs> I'm not sure they'd get past that first game, but they're, they're trending in the right direction. Uh, so I, I feel like the Twins are. I feel like the Astros clearly are as a franchise. For the Angels, it feels like you've got to throw the whole kitchen sink at it, JJ, to get in. I mean, 13 straight years, they've drawn 13, 3 million fans. That's emblazoned on their outfield wall. Their attendance did go down significantly this year, but they're still over 3 million fans. Hmm. But at some point, they're going to have to see some return on the investment on that Albert Pujols contract, which is not going away for, what, seven more years, six more years? Um, I feel like they have to. There's the most pressure on them to make the playoffs with that older roster and that farm system. I agree, although they have gotten younger, I do believe. And if you look at them now... Well, they have Johnny Giovatella. But they are a younger team now than they were this time last year. I, I do feel like they're actually in a little bit better shape than they were last year because the farm system's better. Thank you, Sean Newcomb, Chris right. Ellis, guys like that. And they're a little bit younger. They're, they're still old, but they're a little bit younger. Carlos Perez and, and Johnny Giovatella are two like regulars for them now who are... Under 28, right. that's and two they, more under 28 guys than they, they had last year. And that's going to say, those replaced guys who were old last year. And yeah, then, Kendrick, and then Ionetta. Is Hector Santiago younger than that shoemaker? I, I hope so. I hope but, so. And then... He is. The, the, <laughs> he is. The key thing that they have is when you have the best player in baseball to build around, it helps. You don't, It doesn't get you to the playoffs by itself, but it sure does, especially when he plays an up-the-middle position. It means that you you can piece together things a little bit better. And they've got money. I mean, the thing that they have is, is you look at them, they've gotten some of this money off the books. Yes, they've got massive right. contracts, but they got some of the money off the books. Some more money keeps coming off the books. You know, when, when's that C.J. Wilson contract going to be? Uh, uh, you know, they, None too soon. But And so as that happens, they can... That said, he was one of their better starters this year right. when he was he's, healthy. He's just, he's <laughs> amazing. Just it's amazing. He's a free agent after next year. One more year right. for... But so, C.J. Wilson. As that happens, I mean, I do feel like that they're, I kind of like a little bit better where they are now than I did this time last year when they were coming off of 98 wins. And last year, they truly were wheezing into the I can't believe they won 98 games last year. I just, I'll have a hard time getting over that. They had the most wins in Major League Baseball last year. Before we wrap this up, I I, I wanted to ask a question to to both of y'all. Which is the teams, because there are teams, the Cubs right now are playing with house money, which I think there's an advantage of that. The Cubs can lose the wild card game to the Pirates, and it'll be very much Cubs fans go into the offseason 
disappointed for about an hour and a half, and then pretty euphoric. Back to the playoffs. What a ride, yeah. And looking forward to going forward. Who are, you know, the Angels last year won 98 games and then turned around, you know, and got swept. Got swept. Yeah. That's, that, that left a very bad taste. Who are the teams this year who have the most? Because I feel like the Cardinals, because they have an excuse. If the Cardinals get swept in their division series, they can really say. Oh, the most pressure to me, I mean, the Royals got to the World Series last year, reloaded in some ways, and they've clearly stated it's, you know, World Series or not. But the Royals have the most skin in the game. The Blue Jays, because they traded, all, what was it, 15 <laughs> prospects? Like two minor league teams to, get yeah. this, to, to build this major league yeah, team. Yeah, so, I mean, like, and, uh, obviously there's euphoria there, too. So the fact they made the playoffs for the first right, time, the you, last but team. But you do feel like with that team, David Price is walking out the door. Right. You've got you've got some things there where you say, if we don't win it this year, who will we be back here again? The other time? one's the Dodgers. I mean, I was just gonna say the Dodgers. They lose Granky. That right. rotation is in rough shape. I mean, the Dodgers just I mean, what is that? Two hundred seventy-seven million dollar payroll. Is that what I read the other day? I mean, to me, that's number one. I, I would go, like, to me, it's like Blue Jays three, Royals two, Dodgers one. And it's really like the, Blue, the, Roy, Blue Jays, Royals, pause, right. gap, right. Just a big gap. Well, the Dodgers do have incredible minor league talent. Seager, Urias, and De Leon are all right on the cusp. Well, you, that, that's the question I wanted to end on. That's a great point. So it's not like this iteration of the Dodgers may have a short shelf life, but yeah. that franchise but success the, does think, not. I think they'll probably have a rough transition year if they lose Granky. Compared with where they've been recently, that's likely. Yeah. But I think they're pretty in pretty good shape long term. You don't like uh, Mike Bolsinger to be that number two <laughs> starter next year? I do like Mike Bolsinger, but sure. not that much. Um, here's my the question I wanted to go out on: All these young prospects we've talked about who become big leaguers this year. If you had to pick an under twenty five player to build your franchise around, would it be a Corey Seager? Would it be Carlos Correa? Would it be Chris Bryant? Francisco Lindor, we get one player, or or the old standbys of Harper or Trout. Who would Trout, you? Trout's still younger than twenty five. Yeah, he's yep. twenty two. <laughs> he's tw- Harper's twenty two. Harper, it's a, it's a, Harper. Harper, not Trout. Harper is twenty two. It's a yeah. November ninety two yeah. birthday. Trout, I believe, is twenty three. Who wants to go so, first? I'll go first. I, I'm. I think I'm saying Carlos Correa. I think I'm, I've come around on that. And I think I believe that he'll stay at shortstop in the short term. And even with that, it's still dicey because of how good Lindor, how well he's played this year. And, um, I still think just I think I'm swayed by the way the Fresno Grizzlies talked about him last week, just to hear the Chris Davinsky's and the Tony Kemp's and the Tony DeFrancesco's talk about this guy or Tyler White, just guys who were his teammate or just seen him in spring training or oh yeah, I was on the team with him in Lancaster in 2013. The awe that his fellow players have for him, the way the esteem in which they hold him sways me a little bit more to him. It's not just the, the talent on the field, it's the leadership and everything off the field. I'm not knocking the others. Maybe people talk about those guys too, but that's what I was just around. So I think I would give a slight edge to Correa, and that's kind of mind-boggling because how good Trout and Harper already have been right. in their careers. But I think I'd take the guy who I think will produce like them in the very short term, and is in the dirt. I was going to say Correa as well. I think it's uh, 30 home run potential, great great eye at the plate, elite arm at the position, probably only Simmons is better. Yeah. Enough range to play it. I mean, I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't even care if he runs that well or not. I, right. I think everything else is so outstanding. I, I, I love Carlos Correa. I'm going to go with, I, I'm trying, I, I guess I'm going to go with Trout. 
I'm going to go, uh, Harper or Trout is very difficult for me, but I'm going to go with, give me the guy who is still, I don't expect anything more than this. I mean, it is something, with Correa and all, we still are projected. We expect them to get to that level, but you're talking about... Trout is on that pinnacle. But you're talking about with Mike Trout, all he has to do now, we've been saying this now for two years, which is crazy. Three years. Three years. <laughs> all he has to do, he doesn't have to get an ounce better. If he just does this and can make it playing like this into his 30s, he doesn't have to play till he's 38, 39. Right. If he does, we're talking about one of the all-time greats. This is his first 40 home run season, correct, this mm-hmm. year? Yeah. I mean, the only thing that he doesn't do anymore is steal bases. Which is but smart. Cares but it's smart right, from right. the standpoint of, like, I'm not saying you can't do it. We don't want you to do it because there is nothing worse. This, the value of that steal, if it's not the playoffs, is way less than the value of losing you for two weeks. I will say that just the other night, when he had a single in the ninth inning and they were losing by a run, and I was watching on MLB, oh, yeah, and yeah. Harold Reynolds was going beside himself saying, you got to steal this base. you got to steal it. And he didn't steal the base. And with two outs, there was a single that's in the third. Now, on Strat, single two asterisks. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> but by the way, but, and by but, the way did he you see scored. him but did you, on that, though, when you talk about can he run still, did you see him muttering on a second on that? Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. Like, but that's the thing. Is like yeah. he needed to, They needed him to steal that base. Mm-hmm. So... And it's still, I mean, this is to, to not yes, Mike yes, Trout yes, get the yes, pick yes. in every night. And that's I mean, most of these players. Like, Bryant's the only guy who really has a big wart here, and that's just the strikeouts, right? I mean, yeah. is he the guy that you have the most doubts about in that group just because of the strikeouts? Or I don't really, that doesn't make me worry much about I'm it. reservation more than doubt. I don't, I don't doubt that he's going to produce for power. I mean, again, and the funny thing is, is we just talked about, and <clears> Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper's season this year, Goes on the Mount Rushmore of seasons. I mean, you. It is. I, when you talk about great. And he's 22. <laughs> and the rest of the team around him stunk on toast. <laughs> I mean, like, they could not have been more disappointing. No one else in that team, other than Junel Escobar, had a year that they could really be proud of. I mean, it, it's unbelievable for him to do that. I, I know that these. I, you can't convince me that these things happen in a vacuum. You know, that I get rot lineup protection, all those kind of things. Don't, that, that doesn't exist, but just the overall suck of the rest of that f- team and that vibe didn't bring him down. He tried to keep drag them kicking and screaming himself. The funny thing about that is, is that we've had this recent controversy with him getting choked. You know, and oh, what's that? What's that about? Have you heard about this? Have you, has, has that come up? You know, have you mentioned? Don't worry, guys. We're not. If you're listening to this. We're not the podcast where we're going to sit here and discuss conscious that for choice to not minutes. to avoid the hot takes but, there, but. <laughs> The thing that does jump out with that, though, is is that if Bryce Harper, one of the things that I think it's very different than Carlos Correa, very different, but Bryce Harper, one of the things you do not have to worry about with Bryce Harper is that you, if you're on another team, you may hate him. I get that. But Bryce Harper going back to when he was in 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, the, you can't say 11, 12th, because there was no 11, 12th grade for him, but going back to then, Bryce Harper has always been about, you can say it's, Ego, whatever it is, but Bryce Harper is not going to go out there and just fall apart. That's right. not what he does. No, he his most of these players seem that they have extremely lofty goals for themselves. You know, and I don't think these guys think of themselves as just good players. Now, I, I, I hear this with, with Correa, where uh, he met Orlando Cepeda this year, and basically it's like, so what's it like being in the Hall of Fame? I want to be there one day. What do I have to do? 
You tell me, what do I have to do just to be get to the you, Hall Carlos, of Fame? So that, just be and Orlando Cepeda Sr. was like, that's kind of amazing that he's talking about that. So, mm-hmm. all right, young man, what do you, well, let's open it up and talk about it. So, uh, these are the kind of, that, that's, these are the kind of separating factors. Like, you do wish in some ways that Trout were a little more, I guess, outgoing. That's the other nitpick you could have is like, just from, that doesn't make him any better as a player. But for the game, it'd be nice if Mike Trout were seen more than just the occasional subway commercial <laughs> or highlight where he leaps over a wall, brings back a home run that is an incredible play, and then goes, "Yeah, let's go." You know, I think that Mike, you know, Harper playing the heel, making the heel turn and being the Ric Flair to to Mike Trout's Dusty Rhodes is great. If only Mike Trout would be a little bit more like the American Dream. <laughs> Moment of silence. All right, sorry, had to go American Dream there for you, but that discussion is. I would love to know if at any time in, in baseball history you've had that level of talent. And we haven't even talked about Buxton. Didn't even mention him. And he's starting to figure it out. I mean, and, he's, say, but he's you, and you can't run. Not yet. No, you can't. Not, Not yet. yet. But, I mean, if you're looking for an equivalent, okay, it's 1951, and we're saying, do you want, hey, Ted Williams, if he's not in Korea right now, he's still in his prime, do you want him? Do you want Willie Mays? And by 1951, that was his 12th year in yeah. professional baseball. So he was the 13th year. But do you want Mickey Mantle? You know, that's... Right. Yeah, you're, you're basically looking at... Uh, or 1930, you say 1941, you want, do you want Dimash? Do you want Musial? Or do you want Williams? Who do you uh, want? I remember those days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm glad that... Uh, I, I'm, and all these guys, so many of these guys are infielders. It's, uh, it's fascinating Again, to Again, we're not talking about... That's when you say, okay, and then you throw in Seeger and Lindor... And Addison Russell. I didn't and, even mention Addison Russell. And Rugnet Odor. Uh, Xander Bogarts. Xander Bogarts. Uh, Mookie Betts. He's kind of close to this conversation, quite frankly. He's probably deserves to be in this conversation. If Mookie Betts guys. makes a step forward in any way next year, like he is already further away, further on than Xander Bogarts was at this time last year, and that you know, and he's one year behind as far as his time. And, we, and, we barely mentioned Sano. Uh, there are a lot of I mean, it's. It it's, is a great time. It's to a great be a time to be a baseball America. Kind of fan too. It's a great time to be mm-hmm. a baseball fan. Great time to be our kind of fan. By the way, uh, all the league the next top twenties are crazy. Wants, the next person wants to tweet us like when we talk about prospects. As you always, we all get the tweets. Yeah, but you never can know with prospects. They fail all the time. Um, right now, I know guys still there are busts, but it's like this guy after this guy after this guy after this guy just. Yes, for every Mark Appel we've had, like, who's not done By yet. Way, and Mark Appel never I'm not in our dead top yet. ten. And never in our top ten. But I'm just saying, for every Mark Appel, uh, there have been, like, ten guys this year who have broken through. So, fun podcast, guys. Uh, we'll watch the last weekend of the regular season, and uh, we'll be on uh, talking podcasts and talking more next week during the Major League playoffs. And, again, uh, do reminder, it's a great time to subscribe yeah. to Baseball America because right now, if you subscribe, you can subscribe online as low as nine ninety five, and right now we're in the middle of the league top twenty, so you can get scouting reports on twenty players from every league. Yeah, it's we're a doing six, it's a six issue uh, subscription for nine ninety five, and the next twelve, I'd recommend twelve. I'd recommend doing it twice, but the next twelve issues are uh, pretty chock full of nuts. This one's got draft report cards and college recruiting classes, major league player of the year, major league rookie of the year. And then uh, six of the next seven issues are top ten prospects issues, uh, broken up by the draft preview and slash college preview, the early draft preview, I should say, say. and the college preview. And then um, and then after that, you, you, those next six issues lead you up to the draft preview. So we've only do twenty four. Those are these are this is a good time to subscribe. So uh, baseballamerica.com or eight hundred eight four five two seven two six. So 
For JJ and for Matt, I'm John Manuel. Let's get to the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody.